Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. Alright everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. I'm Guido here along with Scoop. Yo, yo. And Johnson. Guido, you're now rooting for a 9-1 Mountaineer basketball team. A 9-1 Mountaineer basketball team on our way on our way to maybe also receiving votes this week. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could right. happen. It could happen. Uh, WVU basketball uh, continuing their winning ways this week with a big win over UConn and then a win over Kent State this past weekend. And we're happy, Johnson, to have the one, the only, the fabulous Brett Solheim join us again this week to help us break down what's going on with this WVU team and uh, understand it a little bit better. Brent, thanks for being back on the show. Hey, thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, as always, our goal is to see if Brent can make us sound smarter about basketball. Yes. That's it's, why we invite him on the show. It's a big it's job. A, it's a tall order. It's a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big job. All right. So, guys, uh, WVU, we'll start with the UConn game. Uh, surprisingly, we had all kind of thought this was going to be a loss. And uh, UConn comes into the Coliseum and kind of lays a little bit of an egg for WVU. Or, you know, Huggins and the crew take advantage of it. WVU wins 56 to 53. Brent, we continue to see this team win in spite of themselves. They're fun to watch. I mean, they're they're a little bit frustrating at times. You know, when you got two guys carrying the majority of the load with Taz and Sean, and um, if they're if they're off or if uh, you know things aren't going well for them, it's it's sometimes tough to watch the offense. But uh, they're showing a lot of grit on defense, and uh, you know they're they're continuing to get wins. I know other than the UConn um, game that maybe they aren't nationally rated teams or whatever. But uh, in college, you can take losses to teams that to mid major teams, and we've been able to win all those games so far. So you know, um, it's they're a little bit frustrating to watch at times, but uh, their record is is very good for for uh, this time of the year. And like you said, we might get some votes this week. Johnson, I I feel like we have the same conversation every year with a Huggins team, which is they seem to play to the level of their competition a lot. And we said that all year last year. They're playing to the level of their competition, and I feel like they're doing it again this year. They show up against UConn and win, and then against Kent State, they, they I mean, there were parts. I know that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that second half we started to run away, but against Kent State, we kind of played to their level for the whole first half. You know, what what can we do to get out of this? Yeah, it is funny. I mean, I think Tony Caridi said during the broadcast of the UConn game, this felt like an old Big East game, and it really did. I mean, the Coliseum was packed on a Wednesday night, which I thought was awesome to see. Um, and then you come back here against Kent State, and you felt like you're uh, they came out flat. You know, they really sort of kept Kent State in the game for much of the game until they distanced themselves in the second half. And I thought it's funny how something else I think we talk about a lot, Guido, is year to year. Is I feel like this team is now kind of the offense to me. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it feels like three guys waiting on two guys to do something. And I think the funny thing is we're talking here this year about Taz and Sean, but I feel like last year there were times that I felt like there were three guys waiting on Derek Culver and Miles McBride to do something. So, you know, I, I feel like I'd like to see them be a little bit more dynamic on offense, but I also realize that there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new parts that Hugs is working with here. Um, and I thought, you know, going back to the UConn game, 
I thought other than some just disastrous free throw shooting, you know, they played with a ton of emotion. They kind of just out gutted, kind of just worked their way to a win. Now I know UConn, Scoot's going to tell me that UConn was without two starters and I, I get it. And for some reason, uh, and I wanted to ask Brent his opinion about this too. For some reason, despite all their size, UConn decided to go like three for 16 from three point range. I, I sat there watching the game wondering why do they continue to keep just hammering it in from the three point line when, you know, they felt huge at every position, like they had the size advantage. So that's one thing that definitely surprised me. Yeah, no, they, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. They seem to be taking and their big guys seem to be taking a lot of threes as well. I, I don't understand why they weren't going inside, you know, I, I know um, Isaiah's a big guy, but he's not real physically strong inside. Gabe is a little bit undersized, uh, but he plays physical. Uh, Polycap, I'm really impressed with him so far this yeah, year. Me too. Um, yeah, You yeah. know, he's providing a lot of muscle inside and a ton of effort. Uh, that chase down block uh, today that he had against Akron was uh, was fan- against Kent State, sorry, was fantastic. And I'm yeah. really impressed with him. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe he had something to do with those guys not wanting to go inside against a big, strong guy like him. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I, I agree on Paula Cap Scoot. I think every time he gets inserted into the game, I feel like he should he should get more minutes because he just the effort he gives. He's doing well. I, I think if you were to ask me early on in the – well, if, I think we did ask me, but in the beginning part of the season, I was a, a big Diamond Kerrigan fan. I, I yeah. thought um, – his ability to, to change shots on defense would be a huge asset to this team because we don't have a lot of size inside. Um, I think we're seeing some of those minutes go to Polly Polycap now that we're going to Diamond um, a little earlier in the season. Uh, my only concern about Polly is he's not super tall. Like it's a it's a strain. Like he's strong. But when he's out there and he's going up against a guy that's 6'9 or 6'10, uh, yeah, six ten. He looks kind of short, so that's my only. And I don't know that he brings a lot of offense per se, but I mean he does do a good job on defense. Um, he's an energy guy for sure. Um, he he kind of um, he's kind of like a, a another Gabe when Gabe's taking a break. Like it's it's like we have this constant. Uh, I don't know, Energizer Bunny out there on defense, and it's because we can kind of rotate Gabe and Polly in and out. Yeah, together. I didn't expect I didn't expect his ability to block shots the way he's been doing. I feel like he asserts himself really well trying to be a shot blocker, and it's been pretty convincing so far. I think, like Brent said, he probably does make people think twice when they're when they're trying to take one to the to the rack. So I think I think that's great to see. I hope that continues. And and maybe some of my sentiment is because we've been spoiled the last four or five years, right? So we've had, uh, we went from Sags Kanate. So in my mind, and, and you, I challenge anyone to, to, to question me, he's maybe the best college shot blocker I've ever seen to, to be able to change and block shots the way he did. So then in my mind, I guess everyone kind of pales in comparison and it's probably not fair to some of these guys because they are good defenders. But, um, that's and then we went and had Oscar and Derek Culver. Those were sizable, you know, big guys. So 
It's just, I guess, they're not as tall. Brent, you know, the whole offseason, the whole idea was, well, Taz, if Taz comes back, Taz is going to be the man. And that's kind of what it's turning out to be. Taz has come back. He is the man for WVU right now. He currently leads the Big 12 in points and in minutes played. Uh, so he's he's playing a lot of time. I mean, we've seen now, I think, what, two of the last three games, he's either been on the court for the whole game or all but like a minute of the game. Um, how long, like, can Taz keep this up? We're still in these, for lack of a better term, and I know you guys as players didn't think of this, but you're still in these warm-up games. You're still playing against the Kent States, and we got UAB coming up, and I think Youngstown, and can he continue this pace of 35 to 40 minutes a game all the way through conference play? Well, it's hard to be on every single night as well. So I tend to think when you're talking jump shooters, when they're playing 40 minutes a night, they start losing their legs later on, you know, once they start getting tired. So, you know, I, I don't know the breakdown. Um, shooting first half versus second half or anything like that. But Taz has been averaging 25 points a game, at least the last two games. He had 27 today and he had 23 against uh, UConn. And uh, when he, when he does finally have a bad night, it's going to be tough for us. Um, We have to build those other guys up. And I, I can't see him playing 40 minutes or 34 minutes, whatever he's playing every single night and uh, continuing to get this kind of output. He's going to have some off nights. And I would not be surprised at all to see some teams throw out some junk offense or defenses against them, like a box and one. Or, you know, I, it would not surprise me at all seeing a team play uh, a triangle and two on Sean and Taz um, and make someone else beat us. The last two games, those guys scored uh, 46 and 39 points. And the, the next highest score was Gabe had six against UConn. And today it looks like a couple guys had four points. So, I mean, we're not getting any offensive output from anyone other than Taz and Sean. And when when a guy like you mentioned, Taz, has an off night, it's going to be rough for us. And, Brett, we've talked about it on the show. We talked about it the last couple of weeks on the show. You know, I think we all expected for Jalen Bridges to be that third guy. We thought Jalen Bridges would, you know, get his share, maybe have a couple of eight, ten-point games, and then throw in, you know, a mix of 15 or 20-point games here and there. We're not seeing it this year. What What do you think is going on with Jalen? You know, watching him play today, I specifically was looking at that like, hey, we need, we need some more points. And – uh He's taking what the other teams are giving him. He's not necessarily creating his own shots like Taz and Sean are. Taz and Sean are fantastic at either pull-ups or you know, taking a, one quick dribble and pulling up. And we're just not seeing that assertiveness from JB. So um, if, if he's going to just play how he's playing, just give what the or take what the defense gives, we're not going to see a lot of point production. We need to see him be a little bit more assertive and that's going to draw the guys off of Taz and Sean. Then he can kick it to them and get a better shot. So um, we just need to see him be more assertive. He's he's a great basketball player. He's a great shooter. We just we need him to be more assertive. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, Brent. I I agree because I was bringing this up last week on the show. It's not that people are cold, for example. It's not that JB's you know on a cold streak or something. It's just if you exclude Sean and and Taz no one else is really even getting shots up. I mean, just looking down the box score today against Kent State, um, you know, Bridges, Cottrell, three three attempts each, Kedrian, two, 
uh, a Conquo, Osaboyant, which a Conquo played Scoot. That was interesting. Polycap, you know, these all all two field goal attempts. So it's not like people are not scoring because they're on a cold streak. They're not even really they're not even really attempting shots. And I think that's what surprises me a bit about Jalen. So I guess he doesn't feel like um, he's got the space to take the shot and maybe he hasn't, you know, gotten confident in how to create his own shot. I think Brent's right. There's never a point in the game where I feel like Sean, you know, Sean will, we, I always try to figure out where on the West Virginia map shot, like, you know, is he, he just shot one from Romney or he just shot one from like Moorfield, <laughs> you know, like they're always going to find their own shot. They're going to make a shot. I feel like no one else is having much luck with that. Brent, when you played, and I know sometimes uh, you you hear this in the locker room kind of stuff, and I don't, you're not in the locker room now, so I don't really want you to try to speculate as to what the dynamic is. But could it be something where Taz and Sean have said, "Listen, if I'm in the game, get me the ball. Like I'm, I'll I'll lead us. Just get me the ball." So some of these guys are maybe deferring to them because they are seen as kind of the upper class leaders of this team. They're kind of the guys that are, you know, the big the the scoring returning players. So, do you think um, in the times that you've played, you've had teammates that were like, "Listen, if I'm in the game, get me the ball. Don't worry about shooting. I'll do the scoring. You just get the rebounds." Uh, it- that 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 comment right there would not go over well at all with anyone on the team. Um, there are, you know, depending on what the offensive set is. A lot of the times you'll see the offense go through, you know, two players. You mentioned when I played, a lot of the times the offense went through Damian Owens or Adrian Pledger and they they got the most looks and and that was okay. You know, we were a successful team. Um, but we had other guys that could step up and get high double digits um when we needed. Marcus Gorey, myself, Jared West. Um right now I'm just not seeing that kind of output from anyone else. And, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they have the green light and they should, they're absolutely money from outside and off the dribble. But, uh, I, I'm sure they didn't say that, to, to their teammates cause everyone was, a uh, an all-star in high school. Everyone was an all-star in AAU. A lot of these guys were the best player on their team last year. So, you know, no one's trying to hear that conversation, but I can see guys deferring to them all the time cause they're doing it right now. And and I thought early on, I thought um, Curry was going to be, you know, maybe the third guy who was going to step up. And, you know, he was driving to the basket real well. And he's had uh, not the best games here recently with uh, turnovers. And um, I, I'm not sure what's happening there. But I thought, you know, between Bridges and him, those would be the guys that we'd see stepping up and being the third, third and fourth uh, scorers on the team. But we're, we're just not seeing that yet. But you know, we just need some of those other guys to step up other than those two. How much of a problem, Brent, is it that this team, you know, we, we talked about it today during the game on the text machine. Like, this team does not have a point guard. And and it's kind of funny because this team has a ton of guards, none of which are, you know, guys that are going to be out there. We thought maybe it was Malik Curry. You see flashes of it with Kedrian and with Kobe Johnson. Uh, but there's nobody who's really – taking control of the ball, bringing it up the court, nobody running the point. And then you have all of these guards and I, you know, not to make fun, but really only two of them are shooting guards. Like the rest of them are shooting and missing guards right now, not rebounding guards, you know? So how much does that affect the team when you, when you have a kind of like this cluster of all these guys who want to do the same thing? Well, they do, but they're, they're not all good at the same things. You look at Johnson, man, he is a monster on defense. 
But uh, from what I've seen the last two years, he can sometimes be prone to taking bad shots. You know, do you want him shooting a, a, a three with someone in your face or do you want Sean and Taz? You know, that's a pretty easy answer right there. Right. And then you got other guys like Curry who, you know, is not the defender Johnson is, but uh, he's great at taking it to the ball or to the basket. Um, he's great at creating. He's also great at turning the ball over right now. So um, they just uh, – the point guards that we have on the team, yeah, there's not one specific leader that, you know, is the floor general, but uh, they all do some things well, but then other point guards do something else better. Uh, so it, there's no clear-cut leader. I, I think you get about the same output from both of them just in different ways. Yeah, and Guido, I think I think that Curry can be that guy. I think early in the season he he showed us some flashes of being that guy like a Jawan Staten type. I'm going to drive in and then kick, and I was excited to see that. Um but I feel like in the last few games, I I don't feel like I saw that maybe a bit against UConn, but today against uh Kent State, it felt like I saw him shooting way more threes that I never expected to see him shooting. Um, than any of that, you know, drive and make the defense collapse and then kick it to a Sean or a Taz. That's what I would love to see. So maybe we can get back to some of that. But I think today he, he had flashes where he was trying a bit too hard, ended up turning the ball over, like Brent said, and then, you know, then you're not you're not helping at all. So I think if they could center on a on a point guard rotation, I think he likes having Kedrian on the floor, like Brent's saying, for the defense. But on the other end, it would be great to have a creator. Do you think these guys feel a lot of pressure or the fact that they look down and they see the box scores or they look at the whatever after the game and they see gosh Taz is you know 23 27 you know Sean's in the high teens and everybody else is kind of flat do they feel the pressure from that Brent I think they probably do you know a lot I don't have the list right here in front of me uh, of who's seniors I think there's quite a few maybe six or seven seniors on this year's team there there's a lot of them and this is going to be their last year playing college basketball so you know, you want to go out with a successful season, not only for your team, but but a, a good performance for yourself. So I'm just wondering now if, you know, and not to, you know, say what's, what's in other people's heads here, but Curry, you know, he started off so well and now he's not getting the point output. So is he trying to force stuff? He he had two uh, assists and four turnovers against UConn and he was one and three today. So is he trying to do too much by putting too much pressure on himself? And putting himself before the team, I, I don't know what that answer is, but uh, I, I definitely think I'm seeing him probably more than others put pressure on himself. Well, and good news, Gabe Osaboyan didn't feel the pressure to shoot a three pointer today, so you know that's that's always a, a good day when Gabe's not pulling up from three like he did in the UConn game, Scooty. Yeah, yeah uh, Coach Huggins actually said that he called a timeout so that uh, he could, I guess. I guess decide whether or not he was going to strangle Gabe or not. I think that's kind of what he was trying to figure out. I think that was the quote. Yeah, that three-pointer was classic because you just saw Gabe get the ball and he looked at the shot and then the defender backed off of him because the defender's like, I'm not he's not going to shoot a three-pointer. And he like kind of stopped, paused, and then he shot the three. And then you and then the angle of it, you could see Huggins, and Huggins just turns around and gives the old heave ho right there to Larry Harrison well, and or whoever. I, and I think Huggins said that uh does Gabe deserve to be able to shoot a three-pointer? Sure, Gabe has earned it. He's he's earned the right to shoot a three-pointer. Yeah, just not in that, that game. Not against you. Not now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can you imagine though if if that goes in, 
like the Coliseum already loves Gabe. If that goes in, I feel like especially that crowd in the Yukon game the the roof probably comes off. Well, which would something have been funny. that I noticed and I I felt today's crowd um was kind of ho hum. It felt kind of like um no, I don't know if this is really stereotyping the crowd but like when there's like a family day giveaway kind of crowd it didn't feel like there was a lot of passion behind right. the, the cheering um yeah but it's but i think the yukon game i think well, the yukon sure. game is just it brings out some rivalry thing. and i think the students were in full force what Scoot, um, you yeah. think there's a lot of like jim and pam arguing over which kid ate all the popcorn here right that and, kind of yeah, stuff like, yeah it, it at times, there's the, a lot of run, running to the hot dog, running to get a hot dog. There's a lot of running up to the, co- to the concourse to get a hot to dog. To me, against Kent State, the crowd was noticeable twice. Um, when Gabe Osaboyan checked in and Polly Polycap, they kind of gave both of those guys an ovation. And when um, the head coach for Kent State uh, got ejected, they gave yeah. him the left, right, left, right, left, right business down the tunnel. So that's about Which, the only by time the way, I heard. The- I thought he had an argument. If we're being honest, like I if thought- we're being honest, I, I I think he had an argument too. I like mean, there was guy a lot of body mugged. contact. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a lot of contact. I get it. Maybe you get one technical, but I think he kind of carried on. The coach did, and that's what ended up. Yeah, getting him the door. Well, he had, but- he had to his, he had to have some. Uh, a colorful conversation yeah, with the referee words. to get that, yeah, right yeah. to get the heave. But WVU fans, Brent, they like they like the big guy. They like when the big guy gets out there and does. I mean, you know it from your days. I mean, how many times did you get to shoot a three and the, and the crowd went crazy when you shot a three? I uh, <laughs> I think I might have shot th- seven three pointers in four years, and they were all desperation <laughs> at the end of a game. So you know, I I, uh, I, I was fairly conservative with my so- shot selection, and I think I'm still top five or five. Uh, top six with uh career field goal percentage but uh you know I, I think you know West Virginia always gets stereotyped as a blue collar state and we like the guys who who work hard and that's right. um that's why you you see guys like Gabe who who you know score four points five points a night but uh they're a fan favorite because everyone appreciates all of the hard work that they yeah do. yep Looking forward with this team, you know, we play next week. We got we get pretty much a week off. Saturday, we go down to Birmingham, Alabama. We play a UAB team that is actually, if you look at Ken Pomeroy rankings, if you look at Ken Palm, UAB ranked higher than WVU right now. Um, UAB is currently, you know, playing the same kind of level team that we have been playing, like the Moorhead States, and they played South Carolina. They're 8-2 and two right now. I think that this being the first road game in what almost a month for this team, Brent, like how much is that? How hard is that after playing in the Coliseum now for the past three weeks to then have to get back on the road and play this road game? It's, it's, I think it's going to show a lot. Um, you know, your shooters tend to not shoot as well on the road as they do at home. Um, sometimes they feed off of the home crowd and get them going. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Taz and Sean do. And, uh, you know, some of the younger guys who are, who don't play a lot, you know, when they do get in the game, how are they going to handle a, a hostile crowd? Now, I don't know how hostile UAB is. I, I can't imagine it's anything like some of the Big East foes um, that we stepped into years ago. But uh, it, it'll definitely be a test. They're a good team on the road. It'll be a good early season test for us. And then, you know, we got that next game against Youngstown State after that. And then, then we're into uh, Texas in the Big 12. So, uh it's it'll be a good test for us for sure. Guido, do you notice UAB's last win today 
do you see the score? I just, it sticks out to me. I'm looking at who they've played, who they've beaten. They've played some good basketball schools. St. Louis is on here, but one jumps out yep. at me. Do you see it? Oh, yes, I see it. And first of all, I was I have a couple of questions about it. So first of all, I don't know what Millsaps is. Right, is, me, me either. Is that a college? Is it a prep school? So UAB and why played are they zero and one? They're zero and yeah, one. Like oh, so, <laughs> yes. So UAB played Sunday. We record this show on Sunday. UAB played Sunday against Millsaps. They won the, that game, one hundred and three yes. to twenty nine. Twenty nine. So my guess is it's probably like remember a couple years ago we played a random exhibition game after the season had already started. I feel like we played like Wheeling Jesuit or somebody like one of the the uh, I, th- I think we had played a game or two and then we had some random exhibition game midway through the non-conference schedule. So I'm wondering if that's something like that. But uh, do we find it odd that we're going to an away game against UAB? Typically, yeah, you don't it is s- kind of weird. Yeah, typically you don't see the, the bigger school travel like that. But we've um, also, I remember a few years ago, Scoot, when we played Duquesne on the road. I mean, it happens. I think, you know, it is it is a little bit odd. But Now, do we chalk that up to maybe Hugs has a relationship with the coach and says, you know what, we'll come to your your place? Or is this something by design where they say we want to get one road game in before we hit the conference schedule? Well, Andy Kennedy Andy Kennedy is their coach, so okay. he well, does then, definitely then, have a yes. relationship with Hugs. Yeah, so that makes more sense. I, I didn't realize that either. I had forgotten that's where he went. So UAB has right now kind of two guys that stand out on their team when we're looking at them. Jordan Walker averaging 16 points a game and Quan Jackson averaging 11 points a game. In the game that they, we just talked about the, against Millsaps, they had six Guys, six guys scored double digits uh, on the team for them. So, you know, we'll see. I think that the difference is, is, you know, I worry sometimes, Brent, with a team like UAB, Conference USA team, you know, not a Power 5 team, does WVU come into that game thinking, oh, it's just UAB, it's not that big of a deal, it's still a warm-up, quote-unquote warm-up game, and then do we kind of get, you know, surprised, if you will, uh, by them coming into that this game. That can certainly happen, but I, I thought we saw that today with Kent State with our extremely slow start, and I, I have to believe that Huggins is going to have them ready on the road for this team. And, we, and like the, we've seen this now in multiple games with WVU, these slow starts, uh, you know, what happened today with Kent State, you know, we saw, we've saw we seen in a couple of other games where they, again, I keep, I, I said it last year too, they played to the level of their competition a lot. Um is that just because – is that a preparation thing? Is that a, a mental thing for the for the players? Totally mental. You know, Hugs, the type of coach he is, he's going to um, more than likely – I've been to a few of his practices, not a lot, but uh, he's going to have them prepared. Uh, and I, I just think it's it's on the players and, and mentally being there. Um, you know, big win over UConn, everyone's high. And then we come out, okay, hey, Kent State, just another game. So, you know, they come out and – this might be Kent State's. I haven't. I didn't look at their uh, schedule for the whole year, but this might be their biggest game. So of course they're going to be, you know, playing like it's the NBA Finals. And uh, they did. They certainly didn't play like that, but they played hard. And and we were incredibly slow out of the gates. So um, I, I I can't see that happening against UAB though. So WVU plays UAB Saturday. That game is at five o'clock Saturday evening. It's on the CBS Sports. Network, so make sure you check that out. Brent, thanks for joining us. Before you leave, we have a we have a question. Talk a little bit of football with you. Uh, first and kind of most important thing, Scooty is very curious about this. 
What exactly is a golden gopher? Hey, that, that's a that's a good question. I uh, as a man from know, Minnesota, you know, we would hope that you would know what a golden gopher is. You know, we have a lot of pocket gophers. How uh, you'd call them? I remember trapping them. What? I don't want to say the whole pocket state has gopher? pocket gophers. Yeah, but uh, is that like a sugar glider? Like one of those little things you stick the little animal no, in your I pocket? Just, in northern Minnesota. Um, I remember I, we, we we trapped a few of them. Um, my dad, we had a lake cabin in northern Minnesota. Uh, we trapped one in our yard, and I, the dog, it, my uncle's dog, ended up eating it. Um, we, we caught eat another one. Uh, what's that? Do people eat the gopher? No, 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 no. But uh, I, I remember ca- trapping a few when I was a kid. Um, unusual experience for sure, and probably most Minnesotans had not done that, but. Uh, um, well, you why, are not why like they most pick... Minnesotans. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, the, the go the gopher mascot is certainly not intimidating like the Mountaineers. So if if uh, you know, I, I forget who the coach was, the football coach a few years ago, where someone asked him to rank all of the Pac-10 mascots if they were to battle or fight, who would win? Um, I can't remember his name, but it was it was one of the more memorable post game uh, interviews. But uh, the Mountaineer is definitely beating the gopher um, mascot. For is sure. it a prairie dog? Is that what a gopher is? A prairie dog? No, a prairie no, dog's a prairie dog. Yeah, prairie. It's 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 not the same. Is it like a hedge or a, a <laughs> groundhog? What's a, what is a gopher? No, it's just they're, they're they're literally in the ground. The only time you might see them is when they're kicking dirt up in the air, and you might catch their paws. You know, they see see some of their paws as they're. And this getting, is uh, this is not common in Minnesota, or it is. Northern Minnesota, you'll see them. Southern Minnesota, I don't think I have ever seen one before. <laughs> Very strange. I've never seen you so interested in gophers before. Well, yeah. I I kind of feel like they're almost like a fictional thing. Like Minnesota nope. chose it and you can't decide why is what you're thinking right now. <laughs> well, I, I mean, is it like a weasel? No, a weasel's a weasel. A gopher's a gopher. And they live in the ground? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they yeah, don't come we, out. We, like they don't hang we out. We had to up. dig down, like you know, like potatoes, two feet, thirty inches, to get down to where their little pathways were to set the trap below it. I mean, it's it, it was a lot of work. I mean, they burrow, Scoot. I <laughs> wouldn't it, say yeah. like potatoes. I don't think like, is it like <laughs> like potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a? Uh, can they be as big as a cat? No, no, they're smaller. Yeah, definitely smaller than a cat. Brent, a lot of a, a lot of people uh, when they are getting ready to watch a WVU game, especially against a, a competition, they like to they like to prepare for their tailgate or for their party. They like to prepare foods from you know where wherever the competitors from. You know, if if we're playing uh, Syracuse, maybe we're having orange slices, right? Uh, what if <laughs> what? if you're if <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you're uh, if you're getting ready to play? I mean, we're not going to have roasted go. I mean, I guess some West Virginia people might have roasted gopher uh as as part of their spread if they can find them because i think they're a fictional animal like scoot's thinking about it right now what would you recommend for somebody if they're planning a party uh what's kind of like a minnesota food that you would have for your tailgate so when when you start thinking about minnesota foods i immediately go to the minnesota state fair um it's one of the biggest in the country it's always fun to go home and go to it and the things that i always have to get there the number one thing is cheese curds and i know I know Wisconsin's known as the cheeseheads and all that, but if you're at the Minnesota State Fair, you have to get cheese curds. That would be the number one thing you always have Scoot, to get. Scoot, he's speaking your language. I love cheese curds. Um, I'm, a, I'm a cheese guy, as we all know. 
Uh, I do love a good cheese curd. What about, is there some sort of like a meat that the Minnesotans would have at their tailgate? I, I don't think anything in particular. Um, I, I think you'd see the uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, steaks, all that stuff. You're expecting him to say like a gefilte fish or something like that? Is that what you're know. trying to I say? Mean, I feel like there is a lot of Scandinavian heritage. Yeah, Maybe I, there I is some like sort of fish. Is there fish? Do we, like a sword so, fish. Um, <laughs> there's definitely not going to be any lutefisk. Um, there might be some walleye, but uh, lutefisk is probably the most famous uh, Scandinavian dish, and or uh, not dish, but uh, fish. But uh, you're talking about uh, something that's uh, a cod soaked in lye and then dried and then just... Sounds I, delicious. I've smelt it before. I've never tasted it. There's no it, way but, you're uh, eating that, Scoot. No I, love no, com- I like cod. I, I won't eat it. I bet you, Scoot, Scoot, are you eating cheese curds at uh, 1030 kickoff at night for a football game? Yeah, that's the question. That's the real question. That's not even a question. Of course I am. Are you kidding me? It might be revenge of the that's... curds around 2 a.m. is all I'm saying. <laughs> My stomach is uh, cheese does not affect So, Brent, uh, just before you go, uh, just a little prediction from you. WVU, of course, playing your home state, Minnesota, the Golden Gophers in the guaranteed rate bowl on the 28th on ESPN. Minnesota right now favored by four points. What are you thinking, Brent? Yeah, I am I haven't cheered for the University of Minnesota since I left, so I'm always going to cheer for the Mountaineers. But uh, the Gophers have had a pretty good football team the last couple of years, better record than us. We are playing well now. I think it'll I think it'll be close, but I, I hate to even admit this on a West Virginia podcast. I, I think the Gophers will get the dub. Unfortunately. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Well, listen, Brent, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back in a couple of weeks once a conference tournament or conference play starts up and uh and see what the Mountaineers are doing on the court. Sounds good. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Brent. All right, guys. Well, listen, we're going to take a break real quick, guys. We'll be back talking a little bit about football, too. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. everybody welcome back to got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson listen don't forget you can find us on the social media find us online we're on instagram and twitter at got your ears you can also look for us on facebook as well guys let's talk a little bit about football let's talk about what's happening right now with the transfer portal we saw a couple of more names go into the transfer portal since our last show uh Kind of some big names. Isaiah Esdale, TJ Banks both went into the portal uh, this last week. Scooty, are we at a point now where there's a cause for concern? Uh, Yeah, I I definitely think there's a cause for concern. Uh, I know there's a lot of, uh, if you go on Twitter and and on the internet, there's a lot of um, discrepancy between the numbers. And I think a lot of that is just depending on what date you start to 
look at transfers and when you stop looking at transfers, right? So uh, I think we lead the Big 12 in transfers, people leaving w, leaving our school uh, for this academic school year. Um, and that's a cause for concern because if we are going to a bowl game and we have some names that are entering the transfer portal, and these happen to be, the, most recently, these happen to be two um, contributors to our team. Now, TJ Banks was the backup. He was uh, the number two tight end on the depth chart until Michael Laughlin got hurt, and then he was the guy. And then Isaiah Estale, who didn't lead our team in receptions or yards, but um, I would argue is probably one of the more clutch receivers that we have. You know, you need to get a first down. He's the guy that we're trying to pass the ball to. Uh, you're looking for a score. He might be one of those guys that we're looking to get the ball to. So, And then I think he even started to do some uh, kick return and punt return duties here lately. So that's a concern. And and we know, or we don't know, but there will be some guys that are going to opt out of this bowl game that we have coming up. And so now you're looking at the depth chart and you're wondering, okay, well, um, those two guys are out. Uh, I don't know that we have another scholarship tight end. Uh, I've not heard of another scholarship tight end on oh, our roster. But I mean, besides that's healthy that could play yeah. in this bowl game. No, not that can play in the bowl game. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be some guys that opt out. So we're going to be short, and we've already heard Neil Brown talk about you know, and I I get it. Some guys will be healthy that were injured the last time he talked about health issues, but. He had talked toward the end of the season about how thin we were on the roster and how you know we had so many injuries and you know we're kind of piecing it together and um, you're really going to be piecing it together when you don't have the actual players to play. It's one thing if you've got guys on your roster and they just happen to be hurt. We're actually starting to lose some of those guys, so uh, it's a concern. Uh, and if you look at the other teams in our conference, they're not losing as many guys as we are losing. So, at what point is it a is it a personality thing? I don't know that we know this answer. Is it a personality thing? Guys just aren't getting along with with um, their coaching staff. Is it a schematic thing? where guys are like, you know what, I don't like how this offense or this defense is going. I think there's better options out there for me. Um, is, is it how the coaches are playing certain guys? Hey, I think I should be the starter, and I'm I'm second or third, you know, third man on the totem pole here. So I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. And then I'm sure you're going to have some guys that just want to be closer to home or there's going to be some, you know, family issues or whatever. But it's cause for concern. And and if Neil Brown's bread and butter is recruiting, these are Neil Brown guys. So we're losing a lot of it's, they aren't Dana Holgerson guys anymore. We're losing Neil no, Brown right. guys. So no, that's I, a concern. I, I think that it, you know that's kind of where I'm at. And you got to remember too. And like I think a lot of people are like really latching onto. Well, they're going to get once we're through it now. Like oh, we've got all the guys out there that are going to transfer. There's still a, a whole nother. There's a whole nother month of this after the bowl game because you know you've got this signing day that's coming up this week on Wednesday, and then you kind of get you get this down period between now and the first of the year, and then starting the second week of January, it, this all ramps back up again, and you got guys that can go back into the portal after the first of January. They can go back and get transferred. You have another signing day at the beginning of February, so a lot of stuff can still 
happen and change. Now, with that said, Johnson, I think one of my concerns is is that we've heard about all these guys leaving. We've heard about you know Parker Moore going to ECU and Vandarius Cowan going to Maryland. We aren't. We haven't heard of anybody coming to us yet. We haven't seen. You know, I know Lynn J. Dixon. That was early on in the in the fall. Like I think it was back in like maybe October that he kind of committed to us, and he'll sign officially on Wednesday. But we really haven't heard a lot for us getting transfer portal guys. And it's going to be great that we're going to sign fifteen or twenty high school guys this week. And and you know, there's some four star recruits in there, and that's great. Uh, I worry about next year. And you need these transfers in order for us to be able to compete next year. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that would also temper people's opinion on the topic if they saw us also cashing in a bit more on the transfer portal. So I think coming into the discussion, though, I was thinking there's there's kind of two two neighborhoods you seem to live in. If I follow, I'm a Twitter guy. So just watching the conversation on Twitter, it feels like there's two neighborhoods you live in here. You're either at one end of the spectrum where it's all doom and gloom and negative and we're all going to die. And this is uh, proof that Neil Brown's not, you know, steering the ship in the right direction. Or you're in the other kind of hand wavy neighborhood where you're like, ah, this happens everywhere and everyone's having this experience and having to deal with this. And I think, up until Guido, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me too. Listing out, I, I had kind of lived in that hand wavy neighborhood, and I think I'm still over there. But it something pushed me a little bit more toward the middle this week with these latest names. So, you know, Parker Moore, you can kind of hand wavy him. I mean, I believe me, I'd I'd rather have Parker Moore, but I, he's probably feeling platooned behind Wyatt Milam, and he's looking for more player. You know, you can kind of do these things where you go one by one and you form a story and you kind of hand wave yeah. it away. Then, right. then you have, as like Scoot said, Esdale, TJ Banks, um, and Sam Brown. And those are three guys that I know who those guys are and I know their stats and I'm used to seeing them on the field and they're starters or they're in some capacity, a regular person I see on the field that suddenly gets your attention. Right. I, and I think Scoot uh, hit it on the head too, listing those three guys out because suddenly that feels different to me. And I think what I'd like to do in this discussion with you guys is let's like, when I look at Twitter, I get a little bit fatigued at the sky is falling <laughs> stuff. Right. Cause yes. it's just like this. But that's kind of what, that's what Twitter's there it, for. Yeah, isn't it, it? It's like, just like this barrage <laughs> of negativity. And I think what I'd like to do is, and you scoot already kind of did it. I'm so proud of him. Like, I'd like to scope it in a little bit because to me, it's not necessarily the sky is falling, but I think what it is and, and plus I'll, I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, you know, we're, we're big fans of Jake Lance from the smoking musket.com here on the podcast. Uh, he put out a really good Twitter thread, uh, on this and in a, a good article, Keenan Cummings also did a good job, uh, w- which I linked to wvsports.com. And, and also while I'm giving, giving some shout outs here, um, Sean Manning, who I think was, he wrote his article for the uh, Dominion post. that was also a good, a good look in on it. I think there's, there's a lot of evidence, a lot of data out there. If you, if you take the time to read about it. So Having said that, I think Scoot framed it really well. And that's what I think I wanted to talk to you guys about. It's not that I think we're going off the rails or something like that. I, I, I'm still, I'm still for the most part, a coach Brown fan. I, I think in this department, when you're, uh, when you're a school like WVU and you don't have, especially these last three seasons, you don't have a huge margin of error. 
when you so you know now when a Michael Laughlin goes down, you turn to T.J. Banks and and he played phenomenal, and you keep on trucking, right? Or like, God forbid, a Wyatt Milam or someone on this offensive line goes down, you've got a Parker Moore to turn to. I think where I get concerned and what you know Jake was kind of beating around the bush on, and and Sean Manning and some of these people in their articles are like, it's it's not like the sky is falling, but it's like, man, your margin of error suddenly. You know, now that depth shrinks, that, it shrinks a lot. Yeah, that depth yeah. that you would like to be there to turn, you know, we say next man up. Well, I think that's what <laughs> Scoot's no getting men. at. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's no, I, there's no I, men I turn. Yeah, yeah, it's like next I turn. Thing you and, know, you're going to have one of those M&M guys yeah, or one of those right. uh, weird, uh, what are those guys? The stretcher guys. They look like they're holding stretchers up, <laughs> like upright. You look down the bench and it's like, there's nobody, you know, or there's some poor, you know, freshman or, you know what I mean? Like somebody. Well, that what's going to happen is either somebody's going to have to come like that that had not played was red shirt you know one yeah, of these guys right or you're gonna have to like hey you've got a month uh i know you're typically uh uh an h-back or a fullback or you're typically a something else we need you to play tight end yeah right, right. or like hey i knew you i know you liked wide out but i need you as a safety right? did you or, play you know, tight end in high school right. like is that conversation <laughs> right. happening in, right. in practice yeah. you know hey raise your hand if you played tight end well, and I think the interesting thing is you're looking at a WVU team. I mean, talking specifically about the bowl game on the 28th, like you're looking at a WVU team that will probably only travel somewhere in the range of like high 60s, low 70s in players to that bowl game. And you get a lot of that. A lot of those numbers are walk-on guys or non-scholarship guys that may actually get to see some playing time in a bowl game nationally televised bowl game because of this well i have i have one other thing scoot likes it when we spice it up right so i'm going to spring sprinkle some spice in here scoot just for you okay i on the text machine earlier this week i threw out here and i'm not saying this is it but it does make me wonder uh because of these last three names so sam brown uh isaiah esdell tj banks right on the heels of each other boom 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 these are three um as the kids say scoot catchers of the ball Right. So do they know something? Do they see something? Do they feel like this is maybe the Jared Dagey, uh, Jared Parker, Gerard Pacquiao um, uh, effect where they they know there's not going to they already know. Like we don't really know. It's not going to change. Right. Right. I might as well get out ahead of it. Right. right? There's no change at quarterback. There's been no change. I need time to find another school so I can get there. Right. Like I I know what Mm -hmm. I'm coming back to. I don't want to do that. I'd rather just take my chances somewhere else. And I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of that. That's got to be what it is, because these two guys are players. These two guys are are seeing time. They're starters right now. Yeah. And like in TJ Banks's situation, like I know we're talking about Michael Laughlin and I can't wait to see him again. But he you know, like you have to think that. TJ Banks came in, made a huge impact. And I know yeah, Mike, uh, I would, they're probably expecting O'Laughlin to come back, but he's got to come back from this injury, get back in the flow of things. To me, there's still a huge opportunity there for TJ Banks. If TJ plays well enough and continues to, I think he's played fine. Like then all of a sudden he can kind of change the conversation yeah, about, right. hey, this offense could maybe use two tight end sets. Right. And yeah. Or we could or do something, something else with this that guy. Gets right. him more on can the we field. We split yeah. him out wide sometimes, you know, something like that. And it gives him a new role within the offense. I think you're exactly right. I think I think this is these guys see maybe what's coming and they're like, you know what? Uh I need to Or what's not or really what's not coming, I think is, is that more you what might be right. Yeah. Say. And and they're like, you know what? I need to get 
I need to give myself as much time as I can in this portal so I can find the best fit for me because January rolls around pretty quickly and I need to be in a new school so that I can be at right. spring practice and, and and kind of otherwise those guys get buried on the depth chart again. And Guido, I, the fall. I say that too because, you know, there was a lot of talk between if – you, if you kind of poll people on Mountaineer Twitter – there was a lot of talk about, well, maybe some coordinators need to be shaken up, you know, so we we wondered, you know, like I think we even talked about that a bit. And then you see Kirk, uh, last name I can't really pronounce, that goes back to Minnesota, right? He was- Siaraka. Siaraka, thank you. He was an analyst that people apparently thought really highly of. And, you know, if you look at his history, he's a capable, capable dude that many people were like, maybe that guy should be the offensive coordinator. He, he leaves- and it, so it just makes me wonder if people are like, man, there was an opportunity or maybe there was some ability that on top of this, you know, thing that we feel like is stagnant, even walked out the door even more. Well, I think if you listen and like if you've if you've watched, you know, again, Chris Anderson from 247 Sports is a real good follow if you don't already. But he kind of said too the same thing, which is like if you kind of follow through it and you look at it, you're hearing a little bit of everything. Like you're hearing players come out and they're bad mouthing coaching not bad mouthing but they're coming out and saying it's a coaching issue it's a it's a this it's a that it's a locker room issue you have other guys that are saying they're leaving for playing time i think it, it's a mix i think what's hard not to look at is the fact that you're hearing nothing and i know you're in the middle of recruiting and coach brown's probably on a plane you know 9 out of 24 hours a day and he's trying to get these kids to sign on on wednesday but you're hearing nothing from WVU. There's right now, I mean, there's no media availability kind of scheduled. He'll he'll probably speak some on Wednesday, but that'll mostly be about all of these signings. You haven't heard anything and nobody's been given the opportunity to ask who's opting out because They've had enough practices now that we should. Yeah. Well, they know who's opting out. Like coaching staff knows who's opting out for this game. So you you're, you haven't really heard who is going to be opting out for the game yet. I, there's so I feel like right now we're living in such a vacuum with this football team, and there's a lot that could swing one way or the other in the next dozen days that kind of dictates what this football team may look like for the next three years, Scooty. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting, and I um I know we've talked about how the next set of games are really important for the Mountaineers and for Neil Brown specifically. Um, he did win the last one, however, this bowl it's I, I hate to say this, but he's almost got to win these next four games outright, the next five games outright. He's got the bowl game, and then he's got Pitt. Um, who else is in there? Towson State. Um, Virginia Tech. We've got Virginia Tech and that random Kansas. Right. Is it Kansas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Random Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. So uh, I think he almost has to win out. And now, not to say that I'm not saying that he's going to get fired if he doesn't. However, it's going to make it very difficult for the court of public opinion to be on his side through and through if. Okay, can he lose the bowl game? Sure, he'll have enough. There are enough reasons why you might lose a bowl game. Guys opt out, transfers, um, you're but short-staffed. You're, but you're saying if you end that two and three and you beat Towson in Kansas, like, yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, that's not good. And mm. we still like. I, I still look back and I think it's a crazy stat 
we have yet in the Neil Brown years yet to win three games in a row. Well, and this would be the third, right? This bowl game is interesting. Right, yeah. Like, how is that possible? I think like, that's what me, you that said last week. Like right? That's why thing. you're predicting uh, not a bowl win, right? Because history tells you I mean, three in a it's row never happened. Happen, right? Like, think about that. I don't, I don't know when the last coach, I don't know if there has been a coach that we've had that hasn't won three games in a row at some point. Do you guys feel like this, this week – that this signing day, you know, that this might be the biggest signing day of Neil Brown's career. Like, how important is it for the names that he brings in? And, and f- again, forget about the Nikos and forget about the, the high school kids. I care more about the JUCO transfers, the, you know, the, 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 the players, the guys that are going to be playing next year on the team. Uh, uh, can I can – I chime in on this yeah go for it this may not be a very popular opinion to me i don't know that i care one iota about who signs and who doesn't sign for a couple reasons one the transfer portal has made this a little bit less um final less yeah less of a sure thing two if and again i i think we all know that i am not on the climb there's never been any climbing i don't you like own, heights you own no um, carabiners Is if that anything i'm closer to uh, sea level than anything right. um, okay i i don't think it really matters who we have because we've seen and past has shown us that uh neil brown doesn't necessarily care who he has on his roster he's already got in his mind what he's gonna do so we could have you know nico and and some of these other guys, Jalen Dixon and, and, and some of these other uh, signees and transfers in. But if he apparently wants to go a certain direction, that's the way we're going to go regardless of what everybody else sees and says. So, I, I mean, I don't it's, – I guess it's nice. It, it maybe brings other highly touted names and recruits to jump on board because they see other highly touted names and recruits, but it – I think the coaching matters. I think I think how they're coached and 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 how they feel being coached by this group is what really matters. Well, Guido, I'll say that, uh, and I totally understand where Scoot's coming from. I I think I'll chime in though to say, I think it very well could be to answer your question because I think people need to feel. You know, it's funny how perception becomes reality, right? So I think people need to feel that it's another strong class because that way you've at least cast a net and gotten enough quality in, in your signees that if you do have some erosion through the transfer portal, because I think even the most, um, you know, like I said, on that one end of the spectrum, the, the most negative of people, I think even they would agree that some erosion is going to, it's just going to happen. That is the new reality. But hopefully if you're signing, a good enough quality class. And I think, I don't know if you're including this Guido, but I'm going to include it and then you can correct me here. But I think it also includes who we're getting back from the portal too. I think if people can start to see, and I'm kind of speaking for myself here too, if I feel like you're negating some of that erosion that you've seen, then I think people calm, calm down a little bit. You know, if I get a, if I get a receiver from another power five, then maybe I don't feel so bad about Isaiah Esdale. Or if I get, you know, if I get a linebacker in that I feel like replaces a Vandarius Cowan that gave me some depth at the linebacker position, then I, you know, from a power five, then I feel a little bit better. So I think that's where I'm at. Uh, I will say this and, and to kind of go along with you, 
it is important for for the program that he does have a decent recruiting class because that's what he's known for, right? If if Neil Brown is known for anything, I think it's his down to earth, folksy. Get the recruits here to the school. Get I think that's what he did at Troy. Got recruits to Troy that may not have considered Troy in the past. So right. I think that's what he's known for, right? He's a he's a great recruiter. I don't know that I know anything specific about any offense or defense or anything that he had before. Like he didn't have any kind of spread offense or air raid offense or he was known for a 3-3-5 or some kind of, you know, Legion of Boom defense or something like that. He didn't have any of those um, characteristics where he was before, but he was a good recruiter. So if he if he brings in a dud of a class – then we're we're already seeing some issues coaching and and play calling and things of that sort. Then if we start to see issues with recruiting, then we've got real problems. So and I, we're still in this we're, and we're still in this place now where we don't even know. I mean, you know, there, I know what we all think we know, but we still don't know. Is is there a quarterback change next year? Is Daggy staying around? Like, there's been nothing official from the school, and that's uh, we'll leave it at that. There was this ESPN rogue report thing, but there's nothing official from the. I'm school. sure there's a very in depth co- uh, competition happening right now, much like much like over the summer. I will say from my from I think everybody feels the same way. Like it doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. It feels bad, and we need to see something that makes us feel like it's heading in the right direction because I'm still concerned that, you know, what we're looking at is these, the Neil Brown era of mediocrity is what I'm going to start calling. Well, it. Like, and there's, and there's no getting around, like regardless of where you fall on it, those, those 29 players have left since 2020. Like, I mean, you can, like, like I said, you can either be doom and gloom about it or you can try to hand wavy it away, but you have to, everyone has to come to terms with for some reason they didn't want to be here and they left. And that I agree with you. The number feels bad, Guido. I think, I think it's not as doom and gloom as people kind of make it out if you follow if you follow twitter but i think but i think there is some concern there and i think it's up to them to address it through the signings through the port you know returns from the portal return from the portal scoot like it's the portal taketh the portal giveth like we we need to get uh, something not, out of the we've portal. not plucked too many out of the portal here lately no no. So we'll see what happens. WVU uh still playing Minnesota Golden Gophers on the 28th and uh we'll break that day and we'll break that game down here in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to it. Uh one thing I do want to mention guys, I haven't had a chance to mention this and it kind of timing it works out really right. Rasul Douglas, by the way, if you have it, if you're an NFL guy and you haven't been following, Rasul Douglas is on fire. Pick six, two weeks in a row now. Pick six against Chicago. Justin Fields, 55-yard pick six for Rizal Douglas. So uh, congratulations to him and the Green Bay Packers as uh, they really are lighting it up, Johnson. Yeah, you're right, Guido. Rizal Douglas was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, just this past week. So from someone who was on the practice squad, I mean, the Packers have got to be feeling like they hit a home run. And I think it's awesome because he's – now one of a few Mountaineers that are just thriving on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL. It's pretty. It's awesome to watch. And what's really interesting about uh, Daner Holger Daner Daner Holgerson. What's really interesting about Dana? You did it too, uh, Daner. That's a New England thing. <laughs> what's really interesting about Dana Holgerton? What? <laughs> what's really interesting about Dana Holgerson? And I saw somebody tweet this: is that 
he was known as an offensive mind, yet most of his former players that are the most successful are the defensive guys. Are defensive guys, yeah. They know, we're talking they about David are. Long. We're talking about Kwiatkowski. We're talking about yeah. Rasul Douglas. Yeah, and uh, – Kaiser oh, White. That's right. I remember those were all <gasps> – Tony Gibson's guys. Oh, interesting. Uh, all Tony oh, Gibson's yeah. guys. Oh, the dogs. Yeah. The dogs. Them dogs. Great, great play, too, from Sunday Night Football. Uh, if you get a chance, watch that highlight. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluff, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. Hey, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. We've got an awesome sale going on right now. Anything you buy on our merch site, $3 gets donated to the Bob Huggins Fish Fry. So definitely check that out, gotyourearson.com, Johnson. It's sort of like the hub of everything about us. Yeah, it is, and you'll find, as we always say, the latest uh, show posted in blog form. So you can see all the show notes uh, at links in the show notes if you want to check that out further. You can find the tune-in link. Uh, right there on the front page to listen to the show right in the browser. And like Guido said, if you want to click through to the merch store, the link's right there. So check it out. All right. Check it out. Got your ears on.com. Well, guys, it's time for the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. A little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. And right now we're tied up. There's only three episodes left in the year. So uh, it's coming down to the wire again with you two as Scooty and Johnson are all tied for the 2021 Got your ears on Bluff the Fluffs challenge. And uh, guys, this week, I think we got one that might be a little tough for you. Clone, clone Dog clone dog fired one that I don't know you guys will do so good on. Uh-oh. Not scared. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we asked Cloney, our intern, to bring Scooty hot coffee. How's that coffee, Scoot? <laughs> well, it's getting cold. It's getting cold. It's getting cold. Yeah. All right. And uh, we asked him to write our Bluff the Fluffs challenge. This week, he gave us one about... The history of the Army-Navy game. I don't know if you guys watched it, but the game was amazing yesterday for Army-Navy. Navy comes out on top in that game. Uh, but a little bit of history about Army-Navy, Scoot. How do you feel about that? I feel um, I, I feel uh, military proud. I'm, I'm ready for it. All right. All right. Uh, as always, a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth ten points. And final bluff is worth 25 points we had a complete and total random flip of the coin this week and scooty you get to go first good i like that here we go first question how many times in the rivalry that dates back to 1890 has the army navy game been canceled due to the united states being at war Mm. how many times is it never two times four times 
or nine times? I'm I am gonna say um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I am gonna say four times. Four times. I'm sorry, that's incorrect, Johnson. Uh, back to you. How many times do you think? Never, two times, or nine times? Hmm. I kind of thought Scoot was correct. I'm going to go out on a limb, actually. I'm going to change my thinking here. And Guido, I'm going to say never. I'm sorry, that's also incorrect. The Army-Navy game has been canceled two times. Two times. Uh, 1943 uh, because of World War II. Uh, it was canceled. And... Um, once during World War One, so you know you have to have a world war to uh, to cancel an army. It's pretty good track record, though. It's a very good track record. All right, nobody gets any points right there, and we move on to the next question, Johnson. This is for you. Televised every year since 1945, the 1963 CBS broadcast of the Army Navy game was the first one to do this. Was it the first to announce the death of a sitting U.S. president? The first to show a streaking fan on live TV, the first to use instant replay, or the first color broadcast of a collegiate football game. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say the first to announce the death of a sitting president. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Scooty, was it a streaking fan using instant replay or broadcasting in color? We're saying 1963. That's correct. I'm going to say it was the first time uh, broadcasting in color. Sorry, no, that's incorrect. It was the first time that they had used instant replay in a live oh, broadcast. Oh, wow, that was there the one go. I thought was the least. Yeah. So I am confirming I stink at this. <laughs> All right, and you guys both stink at this because nobody's got any points, Johnson, so don't feel like you're alone. Scooty's with you at stinking. Thanks, Scoot. I mean, I, I try not to. I try to deodorize. <laughs> <laughs> unlike, unlike the intern, unlike our intern, yes, who does who doesn't uh, believe in the use of deodorant? So. What in the world, Scooty? This next question is to you. Due to the service academy's strict height and weight requirements, what is the maximum a six foot six army offensive lineman can weigh? Is it two hundred twenty three pounds, two hundred thirty five pounds, two hundred forty eight pounds? Or 275 pounds? Six foot six? Six foot six offensive lineman for Army. I, I'm going to say the biggest they could be is uh, 275 pounds. Sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson, due to their strict uh, height and weight requirements, a six foot six offensive lineman for Army can only weigh up to 223 pounds. 235 pounds or 248 pounds? Uh, I'll have to go 235 pounds. You guys stink. Uh, no, it's 223 pounds. Oh, my gosh. That oh, is, that's, that's a that's a, twig. that's a tiny offensive that's lineman. That's a twig. That's a, Scoot, look at that. Scoot, look at that offensive lineman. I'm just saying that's a, that's a I don't want to I want say that's a tiny I'm just lineman. saying he's tiny. That's all. Listen, I'm 6'4 and 215 or maybe 211. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, nobody has any points, and uh, we are off to uh, our next question, Johnson. This one is to you. Since 1963, how many times have Army and Navy played each other when both teams entered the game with a winning record? 
All right, both teams had a winning record. How many times has that happened since 1963? Is it four times, six times, 15 times, or 28 times? Wow, this is tough because I think through the 60s and maybe even the 70s, I can see this happening quite a bit, but from like the 80s on, not so much. So um, I'm going to say six times, Guido. Sorry, that's incorrect. Scooty for 10 points in the steal. Is it four, 15, or 28? I'm going to go with 15, Guido. 15. Give me the points. Sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be interesting. Uh, it was four times. Only four times really? since 1963 wow. have both both teams. Both teams have entered with uh, winning records only four times. Which is crazy, right? That's that season. That's played every season and only four times. That just seems crazy. That means you've got one team that's probably not very good every right. time. Yeah. Right. Every time. Right. All right, here we go. Nobody's got any points. And, Scooty, this next question is back to you. Which president of the United States was the first to attend an Army-Navy football game? Was it Benjamin Harrison, Warren G. Harding, Teddy Roosevelt, or John F. Kennedy? I feel like it's something Teddy would go to. Teddy Roosevelt. We finally got some points on the board, lady and gentlemen. Lady, that's our one lady to listen. <laughs> we, finally have, <laughs> we finally have some points on the board. Congrats, Scoot, right there. Five points. The correct answer goes to you. Yes, Teddy Roosevelt was the first U.S. president to attend the Army. I think Navy he was game. into wrestling, too, Teddy was. He, he liked the wrestling? wrestling or boxing. Like, one of the two, uh, I think he was into. Like he was a fan of The Rock. Is that that kind of wrestling? Yeah, or kind. like uh, I, I fancy Teddy Roosevelt more of like a Superfly Snooker guy. Maybe he's not. He's not a Bret Hart guy because he's Canadian. So yeah, that wouldn't work for him. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. Scoot has the lead right now, uh, five to nothing. As we do the last question before final bluff here, Johnson. This one is to you. How many Heisman Trophy winners have played in the Army-Navy game? All right. How many Heisman Trophy winners have played in that game? Is it two, three, four, or five? Scoot, yet another question that I don't know. Um, I do know Navy had back-to-back Heisman winners. Um, So I'm going to say three. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, Scoot, for the steal, is it two, four, or five? I'm going to say four, Guido. I'm going to say four. Give me the points. Sorry, that's incorrect. The correct answer is five. Five times they've had a Heisman Trophy winner play in that game. Yeah, which makes sense because for the last 50 years, not both could even. Yeah, Yeah. they've been just, you know, not even winning records here. So, sure, five. I'm sure they were all tall, skinny linemen that have won it. Wow. I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at this. All right. So uh, you are terrible, but don't worry. You still have a chance to win. We have reached final bluff uh, where it's worth 25 points. Scoot right now has a five-point lead over you, five to nothing. And uh, as we play this final bluff, we always ask you guys to ring in with your own buzzers. Scoot, what do you got for a buzzer this week? (laughs) All right. little foghorn. Look for the Navy right there. Is that what that is? A little... Little navy foghorn. All right, That's right. Uh, Johnson, what do you got? <laughs> I'm gonna go Starbuck. Starbuck. All right, gonna button hook me. Right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Name the only president of the United States to have played 
in the Army-Navy game. Is it Harry Truman, John F. Kennedy, Jimmy Carter, or Dwight Eisenhower? Uh-huh. All right, Scoot buzzes in. Scoot for 25 points and the win. Uh, I think it was Truman. Give me, give me the points. Sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson for 25 points to win the game. Is it Kennedy, Carter, or Eisenhower? I'm with that selection. I'm going to have to go Eisenhower. That's the correct answer. 25 points to Johnson, and he beats Scoot 25 to five in the last minute of the game. Final <laughs> bluff. Must feel Scoot, good. Scoot zero to hero in one question. You were well. Let's let's get to the 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 crux of the problem. What here. would that be? Uh, this intern that we have yeah. came up with a topic that was horrific. I mean, it's for college both of us. sports. Re- yeah, but it's co- in his defense. How could he have known we were that terrible at Army Navy game history? We're, Where we're- are the topics like cheese <laughs> and <laughs> movies starring Michael J. Fox? Like, where are those topics? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the, the things yeah, that the you things know that you'd you're be really good at. 80s sitcoms. Yes. Like that's the Where kind of is stuff that stuff? Who's right. the boss? Like, can we not get yeah. topics like who's the boss? <laughs> what would Tony Maselli right. say to that? Hey, oh, oh, hey. I mean, Scoot, maybe you should call your manager. Your 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 Ruben Kincaid. Give him a call and I complain should. and see if that can uh could 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 help us out any. So Johnson, congratulations. Two weeks in a row, you now take the lead yes. in Bluff the Fluffs. Awesome. So you could, so you could, Johnson, you know, like just like a seven-game World, World Series, you could close it out next yeah. week in game All six. All right, that's what yeah. we're going to try to do, Scoot. Well, Cloney needs to write some Bluff the Fluff questions about cheese, Michael J. Fox, or who's the boss, and then we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see if we can get Cloney to write uh, some softball questions for you, Scooty, just to make you feel better about yourself. All right, we're going to wrap it up for this week, guys. Uh, Don't forget WVU. Not much going on this week in the world of WVU. Wednesday, signing day. So keep an eye. We'll probably be retweeting a lot of those signings as they come out during the day on Wednesday on our Twitter, at Got Your Ears. And, uh, And then, of course, Saturday we got a game against UAB. WVU goes on the road to play UAB in basketball. That is Saturday at 5 o'clock. That game is on CBS Sports. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.